0: Hey everyone, the nation is still grieving from last week's horrific shooting tragedy at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, where a gunman shot and killed 19 children and two teachers. There are still so many questions surrounding the law enforcement response to the attack and why it took police so long to intervene. Now a national conversation has emerged over whether Congress will enact new gun safety legislation to prevent future tragedies. Joyce Vance and I discuss all of this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To listen to future conversations and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the Insider community. So inevitably, After things like this, the attention of the public turns to what could be done to stop it from happening again. Some people say it's too early. Um, (laughs) I'm not one of those people. Because if we keep saying it's too early, by the time it's, it's ripe for political and policy discussion, there's another shooting. I mean, it's only been a few days since that horrible racist massacre in Buffalo. So we have to talk about these things. But before we talk about the particulars, and I think people have probably seen this in the news reports... You know, there are some policy proposals that are hugely popular, overwhelmingly supported by the public. Let's talk about that for a second, and then maybe why, notwithstanding that, these things don't get passed.
1: It's really amazing. You don't see 77% of the American public supporting pretty much anything, any sort of policy proposal. But there is strong support across the country for these common sense measures, that would make it more difficult for people with criminal intent to get guns into their hands. It's really a mystery to me why these measures haven't passed over time. And something that you said, Preet, I think is worth dwelling on just a little bit. One of the early responses we always hear from Republican politicians is, it's too soon to talk about doing anything about this problem. And I think we should never let them get away with that. They've gotten away with it for too long. This deserves strong pushback. Right now actually is the time. It's the time. And what happens is Republicans count on distractibility and short attention span and the, the pressing calls for gun reform, you know, fade away as new news hits the front of the radar screen. So the time to talk about it is in, in those immediate moments. And we need to do that and, and press changes.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about how popular some of these things are. There's a new Politico morning consult poll that was conducted fully after the shooting in Uvalde. So maybe that influences the the pool of respondents, of course. But on re- requiring background checks on all gun sales, the approval level is 88% strongly or somewhat support, and the opposition is only 8%. 88%, I don't know anything else in America that can get an 88% approval rating. I don't think pizza <laughs> gets an 88% approval rating.
1: Well, maybe pizza.
0: Right? Or at least, you know... Thin crust pizza, it doesn't get 88%. It should, it should get far more than that. And then you have creating a national database with info about each gun sale, 75% support. 67%, according to this poll, support the banning of assault-style weapons. Making private gun sales and sales at gun shows subject to background checks, 81%. That's related to the first finding. Requiring all gun owners to store their guns in a safe storage unit, 77%. So, you know, this issue of gun safety, and by the way, I've seen some people talk about political strategy here, which I think is not inappropriate to talk about, that the better term to use, both because it signifies, I think, the proper intent of the people who want to stop these things from happening, and it's less off-putting to people who think the Second Amendment is still an important provision in our Constitution, sensible gun safety, as opposed to talking about gun control. So do you have a thought about that language?
1: Yeah, actually, I do. I think it looks different on on where you live in the country. I'm fine with using sensible gun control because I think gun safety... At least where I live, and interestingly enough, I I talked with some friends um, about this too, friends in Florida and Idaho as well, where there are strong feelings about guns. Gun safety means something a little bit different. It means, for instance, this last suggestion from the morning consult poll about requiring the use of safe storage units. It means taking usually NRA-sponsored gun safety classes that are available in in many local communities. So gun safety means something a little bit different to to me than gun control measures. And I don't think that we should run away from that. I don't think we should be afraid to call them what they are. They're not going to become any more palatable to some of the hardcore folks who say, oh, you know, you can't do anything with guns just because we give it a different name. So I guess we disagree on that.
0: No, I think that's a fair point. You know, I live in New York and I have not lived in a place that has a very, very strong gun culture in the same way that I'm guessing parts of Alabama do. So I'm I'm open to whatever works and what is, you know, sensible, strategic, you know, language and and persuasion in light of the the, the strong numbers in these polls. So, so why is it the case, and this is true in a lot of areas, there's overwhelming support for some law that's on the books or some law that people wanna have on the books, but it doesn't get passed. Well, my answer is gonna be in part the structure and setup of the United States Senate. In the House, we have a bill that we'll probably talk about, H.R. 8, that has passed the House, no action in the Senate. And part of the reason is the Senate, whether you like it or not, and this is what the founders envisioned, is a bit of an anti-majoritarian component of our government. And if you live in New York that has 19 million people, you get two senators. If you live in Wyoming that has a tiny fraction of that, you get two senators. So, you know, we don't take a nationwide referendum on universal background checks and then pass the law. The opposition to these measures, these sensible gun control measures, as you put it, is spread out around the country. And so even though something has a lot of support, the intensity of the opposition and the location of the intensity of the opposition in many rural and Southern states that don't have as high a population is in part the reason why these things don't pass. Fair?
1: I think that that is fair. And I'll I'll take a somewhat more cynical view too. I think this also has a lot to do with the money that the NRA passes out like candy to some of these senators. I suspect that there are a lot of states even states that believe in guns, where folks in law enforcement, folks in the community would welcome measures that made it more difficult for criminals to get guns. For instance, I think it's very hard to make an argument that we should permit a loophole for background checks just because you're buying your gun from a person who's not in the business of selling guns. And I think that there would be broad support for those sort of measures. I think, frankly, you would find broad support for measures that required people to store their guns safely and to receive some form of training before purchasing a a firearm. Down here, you hear people say a lot of the time, well, you got to pass a test to get a license to drive a car. I wouldn't really oppose requiring people to pass a test to get a gun. So I think that there's room to play there. But the NRA has made that stuff all verboten and the senators get in line. Too cynical?
0: No, I don't think you can be cynical enough. you know I, I try I, I'm very, very cynical. I try to be a little less so when we talk on the show so that you know people have a reason to hope and believe that we can change things. and maybe that's possible now because this is so stunning. Look, so th- these, these shootings recently fade from coverage within two or three days. I think somebody did an informal study suggesting that they they leave the news cycle after three days. It's been seven. And you and I talked about the various issues that we could be discussing today, including developments in the January 6th committee and all sorts of other things that are going on in the world of law and politics. And you and I both agreed and the team agreed that the thing to talk about is this, is the shooting in Uvalde for the entire show. That's different.
1: I'd love to think that this is different, but I feel a little bit like Charlie Brown getting ready to kick that football that Lucy is holding before she moves it again. I really do, to be honest with you, have a feeling that this time is different, but I am concerned that if the public takes its eye off the ball for even one minute, we'll end up with some sort of weak, watered-down bill that will pass the Senate so Republican senators can go to the polls this fall and say, look, I did something about gun control when in reality they won't have done what we need. So I I think, you know, all eyes on on the prize here.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Can I mention something else that people say in the aftermath of these things? I think it's useful to talk about it. So you and I are going to, you know, run through the various reforms that are possible that would make our country safer, that would make our schools and churches and and grocery stores safer, like red flag laws, raising the age, banning assault weapons, universal background checks, waiting periods, all of those things, some of which you've already mentioned. And people will say with respect to one or another proposal, well, that wouldn't have stopped this killing, right? Yes. The the background check wouldn't have stopped the Uvalde shooter. Now, it may have been the case that raising the age to 21 would have because he was only 18. And when they say that, they think they're making a powerful argument because they're picking and choosing between and among policy proposals to say, well, this particular shooting in Newtown or this particular shooting in Parkland wouldn't have been stopped if you would pass this law that's pending in Congress and that people are advocating for, which I think misses the point. The point is that every shooting is different. They share some similarities in terms of tragedy and death and preventability, but they're all different. And so you have to adopt a panoply of measures in a number of different directions and in a number of different scores so that you have maximum effect with respect to preventing the next thing. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. When someone makes that argument to me, which they do not infrequently down here, my response is always that I think that they've made a great argument for comprehensive gun reform. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because you do, it's it's all of these measures acting in concert. And look for the, you know, you can have my gun when you pry it out of my cold dead fingers crowd. None of this violates the Second Amendment. None of this makes it impossible for you to possess a firearm. It just puts rational restrictions on gun ownership in a country that sees far too many deaths. You know, we see the Uvaldes and the Buffaloes where there is the public uproar. But over the Memorial Day weekend, more than 60 people were killed in gun-related incidents. And that's routine in this country. That's day in and day out, unnecessary deaths, unnecessary damage caused because we won't be responsible for firearms in our communities.
0: Well, that's, you know, you make an interesting point, and maybe it's dangerous to go into this territory, but there are people who make the point correctly. Well, there's gun violence everywhere, and more people die from gun violence in ways that we don't talk about for seven days when it happens in a school. I think you and I are committed to ending gun violence and did in our prior jobs everywhere including street gun violence in New York or in Alabama or in Chicago or in Baltimore or anywhere else. But but there is a an understandable psychological reason why the country reels and mourns when you have these singular events of kids being massacred in their school, like at Newtown and in Uvalde. It's the difference between, and not to compare them necessarily, but it's a little bit the difference between you know, the the horrible tragedy of individual deaths on a highway from car accidents versus the occasional airplane exploding. Because, you know, everyone or many people fly on airplanes and the specific tragic mass loss of life, like you see in Uvalde, terrorizes every parent, terrorizes every teacher, terrorizes every child, not just the ones in that community. Is it fair to draw that distinction?
1: I think it really is. And I think it's important to draw it. It highlights one of the big issues that we talk about for the three days after one of these mass shootings and that then seems to recede. And, and that's this notion that with some of these weapons, that with these essentially, you know, military grade, but civilian sold assault weapons, you can shoot 30 rounds in a minute. It's awfully close to automatic fire. It makes it tough on law enforcement to get, you know, those essential few seconds or minutes that they need while someone reloads to end an incident. And so it's these sorts of crimes that are mass shootings because of the types of weapons that are readily accessible in civilian life that we see some of the most glaring failures we make as a society and some of the biggest opportunities to pass sensible new laws that keep us all safer.
0: Yeah. And the focus is necessarily on the guns. And you see some of these bad responses. We should talk about some of these responses. I don't forget who it was. It was a senator or someone else. Thanks for listening. To listen to future episodes of Cafe Insider, Head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.